Hello there, everybody. Uh, happy Halloween. This is the Halloween edition of the MMLP Movie Mondays with Luke Pickett podcast. Can I get a ooga booga? I was going to say amen, but that's not very Halloweeny. So can I get an ooga booga? You there at the back, can I get an ooga booga? Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's the film I'm going to do today. And it's going to be a... Sorry, uh, not everyone's listening to this via YouTube. Some of you might be Spotify, Amazoning, or whatever, or many of the other places we're on. Anywhere you can get your pods, that's where you can find this pod. That's what I'm trying to say to you people. Um, yeah, I'm going to do a MMLP first today. Because normally what I do is I prefer to have either seen the movie or TV show episode at least once. And then on the rewatch, or one of the several rewatches, I will do an episode dissecting, analyzing, fanboying over, whatever you want to call it. It's how we get down. Um, but this time, I've never seen this film. Never seen it. Not once. Not never. Never even seen a trailer. However, I have heard people talk about it. Um, it's been touted as, you know, a good film. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I wanted to do something Halloween-themed, horror-themed. I was going to do a little movie that some of you may have seen called Dog Soldiers. It came out in, like, the early 2000s, maybe 2002. Um, it's a British movie. It's technically a B-movie, you know, low-budget or whatever, but it's it's how you do a B-movie correctly, you know? making use of the restrictions and maximizing your film, um, I don't know, scope, potential, whatever. I think I need another coffee because my brain's not firing on all cylinders right now, but I need to do this podcast ASAP, as ASAP as possible. So again, I'll try not to slip into the microphone, but you know me, it might happen from time to time. Anyway, yeah, so we're going to do this film X. Um, so all the reactions you'll see from me will be fresh and genuine and new not that anything else in this podcast is contrived but you know there we go so without further ado dooby dooby and again i'm putting these headphones on so that i can hear the film but you guys can't hear the film and then there's less chance of this podcast getting taken down from wherever it is distributed so let's get this show on the road This is a trailer. Thanks Amazon Prime Video for providing me with X. Nudity, violence, fighting, frightening scenes, substance use, alcohol use, and I was too slow to read the rest. So in the audio right now, as we go through these title sequences, I can hear like crickets and bugs and insects. So that's creating a nice atmosphere. So just there, they're holding on this still shot with the barn, the same audio that I was just talking about, the crickets and stuff in the background. They held on that shot for ages. Eventually we heard the sound of this car approaching in the distance. We heard it before we could see it. It's just pulled up. And then just as it stopped there, the camera started to zoom in slowly. So you're getting a sense of intrigue. You know, whenever a shot is held ages and you're not immediately spoon-fed a bunch of information or characters or whatever i always get a oh, i want to know what's happening i want to know who's doing what why are we at this barn you know and the fact that there's no music there's just all these creepy sort of you know cricket noises and stuff creates a sort of small sense that um maybe not all is well so let's see what happens oh a few police cars knocking about that can't be good 
I'm getting Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. Okay, that was a really great shot. Um, I forgot that Amazon would bring this shit up at the bottom that's dirtying the shot, but at least it will make my job of remembering actors' names easier. Um, so we first shot we went from that still shot that was holding, you know, the opening shot, and then it flipped around and saw this, I can only assume it's a sheriff, he's at least a policeman, uh, inspecting a dead body that was under a, um, like a bloody white sheet. Uh, and then as he walks up to the house, the camera stayed nice and low, just tracking his feet, and there was a big, you see all this blood, they went all the way to the dead body, which is a good like 5-10 meters, the way he's just come from. And then as he gets here, he stopped. And then this axe is in frame, as well as all this broken glass and blood drippings. You know, not it. If it wasn't apparent that someone killed someone, it was. It is now. You know, it's just great use of scenery effects, makeup of the blood and stuff. The nice look, because the camera could have just followed him in. You know, uh, maybe with like a mid shot or something, because we've already seen his face. They're not hiding him from the audience. Um, but instead of like making him the focal point, we're making the crime scene the focal point. Um, yeah, let's carry on. That's a great shot. Um, does it need to do anything other than just look badass? Because it looks badass. Oh, yeah, sorry. For those who aren't on the video. Oh my god, I dropped the controller. Oh shit. I done gone skipped it. Where were we? There we are. Um, yeah, those who aren't watching on the video, it's basically just looking down a set of stairs towards the front door. There is not a single light on in the house, so you only have the daylight coming in through the front door where the sheriff has just stepped into. So he's a silhouette with his badass cowboy hat, and there's a bloody body covered by a bloody sheet right next to him. Um, it's a really cool shot. Don't really know what it sets up other than it just looks like a good shot. So this little TV now is the only audio playing other than the occasional footstep or the crickets and stuff outside. And it's some like pastor or preacher going on about, you know, God and the devil and I have seen the powers of the devil and Satan. So straight away we're getting like, is that maybe hinting towards some sort of satanic demonic thing that has caused these murders in this house? Or is it just chilling and unnerving? We'll find out. See, this geezer's just come over and said, Sheriff, you're going to want to come take a look at this. And he's taken them to what we can only assume is a cellar. So what the camera shot, for those who aren't watching, is looking up the cellar staircase. Everything in the cellar at the moment is pitch black. The only light is, you know, sort of above ground where the sheriff and his colleague are stood. And in the audio straight away was a kind of like a wind... Not like a howling wind, but like a... So that's the first thing we've heard that isn't the cricket noises. You know, it's the first sort of atmospheric sound. So now they're transitioning down into the basement. We're getting this eerie... Just to add a kind of flavor to it. So already I'm liking, um, I'm liking how this film is putting itself together. Who directed this film? Let me use the internet to discover was directed by ty west it was also written by ty west what else has ty west done you ask well house of the devil oh that vhs movie i didn't see that in the end don't know if i've seen much of your work mr west but there we are as you were 
Nothing but the creepy footsteps. Now there's some like chilling, chanty music happening over the audio. Ah, uh, and the camera's just going to pan away and not show us what the, what he was. He said, "What he was, he saw." Sorry, all he said was, "My God!" Oh, some drugs, cocaine, heroin, cocaine. This is an interesting. Um, okay, so it's set twenty four hours earlier. There was a cool. Um, well, he's given her a lot of sugar. He just asked for some sugar, and uh, he's getting the whole bakery. Um. Yeah, let me just pause this because I can't watch that and comment at the same time. So that eerie, like, chanty music started happening as the sheriff saw whatever it was in the basement. And that carried over into a really, I guess it's a montage of that lady. I'm going to assume that's Mia Goth. What a great name. Is that the character name or the actor name? That's the, that's the actor name. Mia Goth. What a cool name. Gothic, dude. Um, oh yeah, and I'm wearing a Avenged Sevenfold t-shirt today because it's got skulls on it and I thought that was Halloween appropriate plus Avenged Sevenfold are awesome and if you disagree, you're wrong. That's just the way it, the cookie crumbles. Uh, much the way, aha, aha, I like it. Anyway, what was I talking about? Yeah, so she did a little cocaine montage where we had the eerie music and then slowly that chanting shit and then slowly in the background the music that's currently playing in the scene started to like fade in. Uh, and it was just sort of like cutting from, you know, tipping the cocaine out. Then it would cut to black, fade back in, spreading the cocaine out with a credit card, cut to black, fade back in, um, chopping it up with a credit card. And then it sort of, instead of cutting to black, it would just fade in and out of the shots. So instead of doing one continuous shot or clean cuts in between, it was just doing fade in and outs. That was pretty cool. Then she snorted it and then we're into like a normal... Kid Cuddy's in this movie? Huh, I've just seen his... Uh, thanks, Amazon. I was complaining about that dirtying the shots earlier, but see it in the bottom corner. Kid Cuddy's in this. Day and night. That's the only Kid Cuddy song I know. This guy's got the most typical southern accent. And he literally just said, giddy up. And he went, Hoo! on his way out. Could he be more of a cowboy? I don't think so. Marilyn Monroe tribute act coming at you. Houston. Cocktails and topless entertainment. So this guy's the poor man's Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's probably a, a great actor. Just plowing. So wow. That's almost as bad sorry i feel like i'm shouting but the music's really loud in these headphones that's plowing service is almost as on the nose as um the pussy wagon and kill bill yeah i made another tarantino reference yeah what are you gonna do about it you're gonna stop listening to the podcast please don't <laughs> 1979 star spangled banners letters i think i'm running the risk of this podcast being taken down off of youtube already because i keep Instead of pausing it and talking about it, I'm just talking over it while it's playing. And they may frown upon that, but fuck them. Oh, oh, that was a nice little Star Wars-esque side-scroller Windows editor transition there. <laughs> I was going to comment on the shot that was before it, but fuck it. Instead, we have a rooster. Add a rooster to the roster. Gas. 65 cents to the gallon. Can you imagine 
prices these days. It's like triple that. The cost of living. Just want to comment quickly. Uh, actually, let's find a better frame. There we go. That'll do. Um, so this film set in 1979, right? And I'm, I've spoken about like color grading and, and film grain and stuff on a couple of other previous podcasts. But so this film came out this year, 2022, right? If you uh, don't have a calendar nearby, it's it's the year 2022, in case you didn't know that. Uh, so they've actually made like a big effort to kind of reduce the quality of the filming, if that makes sense. I don't mean that to sound insulting to the filmmakers. Like it's it's good that they've done it because this is set in 1979. So they're making it look as though the footage comes straight from 1979. See how there's sort of like grainy quality? Like it's not, it's partially grainy because they're kind of in movement and I've paused it and that's, you know, a fault of technology. But, you know, you see how it's it's a little bit grainy in hue even here where it's where it's a still image where there's no movement from these two. Um, the the colors aren't like, you know, these sort of like rich high definition 4K colors. It's all kind of a little bit faded. So then when you combine that with, you know, their costumes, their hairstyles, uh, probably the language they use. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear a groovy or two. Well, it's a bit more 60s, but, you know, Kid Cudi has an afro and he smokes weed, so... <laughs> Um, in this film anyway he has an afro and he smokes weed yeah so just a little note there for yourselves if you're doing anything period based it's nice to pretend the footage is from that period unless you're doing a period before filming was invented and then go ham do whatever you want who cares it's your film a little bit of foreshadowing there the film's called X he just said to her she's got that X factor because they're talking about the want to be famous and stuff foreshadow what this film is doing really well is giving you a really big insight to the characters, you know, painting everybody a little bit differently, um, you know, without without kind of overdoing it, you know, just in the things they say, like then the, um, I'm assuming it's Britney Snow, the Marilyn Monroe type, you know, she's already said something about um, using the gifts that God gave her, meaning her body it would be a waste if she didn't use it to achieve whatever uh, she just had a conversation with her about uh the kid cuddy character jackson i'm assuming based on this banner Wait. there we go first burp of the pod 22 minutes in not bad um what was my point about them sometimes being partners and sometimes not, which says, you know, a bit about her character. She's quite shy, hasn't really said a lot. Her first dialogue was a minute ago in when she was talking to the Marilyn Monroe type. So that says a lot about her character. You know, they're, they're just drip feeding you little bits about them, which is nice. It's They're not spoon feeding you anything. And straight away, this guy just then, um, she was asking, why aren't we filming in chronological order? And he said, well, once it's all in the can, I can chop it up any way I want. And then he said he was thinking about experimenting quite a lot with the editing to do the avant-garde sort of stuff that they're doing in France. I paraphrased the shit out of that, but that's more or less what he said. So that tells us a lot about his character. He's, you know, he's the film geek, the nerd. I would probably play that character. <laughs> um, oh, he's going to have a gruesome death or something now, isn't he? Now I've hitched my wagon to that yeah so that just just to sort of back up that point that i was saying a minute ago about you know all the characters are being drip fed a bit about who they are 
what they do, how they get down. This priester commenting, okay, so this priester? This pastor or priest combines makes priester. It, it just cut a minute ago to the TV that's on in the store and it was the same priest that was in the opening shot in the murder house. Um, except this time he's talking about you know, people's lust and, and sex drives and stuff being sinful. So just sort of doing a bit of a running commentary on no doubt this group of people. It just did something quite weird with the editing. Thirteen minutes in, there's an hour and a half left, and I'm just still talking shit. Um, yeah, with the editing just then, it it zoomed in on the the TV where the priest is talking, um, you know, about God being vengeful, and then it cut to where they've just pulled up to, which was a big field with cows, and police had pulled over some oil truck or whatever. And then it cut back to the priest, and then it cut back to the field, and then it cut back to the priest, and then it cut back to the field, like, real quick. It's almost like it's not letting you quite move on from the previous scene, or maybe it just wants to really hammer home the last thing the priest said, so that lingers with you. So maybe the cutting back and forth is its way of, like, lingering. I don't know. It's interesting. That shot, that's what it cut to. There's all these cows underneath these names here. This is quite ominous. Um, as the car's driving into what they're saying is the um, the place they're going to do all their filming for the movie that they're making, uh, which I'm pretty sure is a porno. We have this camera just sort of tracking them, like panning as the car moves through all these weeds. So that suggests that they're being watched by someone or something. Um, there's a mixture in the audio between the music that they're listening to in the van, so the diegetic sound. And then a kind of more ominous score happening in the background. And then, you know, a few bits of nature like crickets and whatnot again. Um, but yeah, it's definitely creating a sense of um, something creepy occurring. Yep, there's definitely like more spooky chants happening now. And I'm pretty sure that's the house from the beginning. If it's not, it's equally as creepy because of the score. I really like the cinematography choices in this movie. So just then in the van, we had a shot from inside uh, and the back doors open. People jumped out, they grabbed their bags and stuff. And then staying in the van, the camera just panned around the side door. People grabbing bags and stuff from it. And then as those side doors were shut, uh, it cut to a shot where it was half the screen was uh, the front of the van just there. And then the other half was her opening the door and getting some stuff from it. And then as she reached in, got her stuff and then moved, you know, sort of out of the van herself, the camera tracked across to the left and just sort of looked at her through the the door, uh, the window of the van door because it was open. So it was, you know, sort of uh, perpendicular with the front of the van. Um just all these like nice camera movements instead of doing just straight cuts just you know camera following the motion of the actors or or whatever and then she sort of had a staring contest with this figure in the window um and at first it was quite hard to see what it was and then eventually it like zoomed into the uh to the window but we still haven't clearly seen the face of the person looking down at her and all the while it was accompanied by that creepy score which sounds like someone sort of softly uh, like sort of you know humming or softly singing a kind of not quite a nursery rhyme but it's a bit like something like that <laughs> it's cool it's creepy it's eerie I'm definitely getting like 70s 
sort of slasher vibes you know it's very texas chainsaw massacre um it's what rob zombie is quite good at as a writer director is recreating that kind of you know 70s kind of suspenseful horror um yeah it's interesting this is quite a cool shot too um just above where it says martin henderson uh as the group of people that are, it looks like they're making their way left across screen but then we just have grass along the bottom this tree line and then the sky and we've still got the creepy score and the crickets and stuff so i i, I suppose a shot that wide is sort of showing that they are a little bit in the middle of nowhere so if there is going to be any sort of danger or peril it's going to be hard to try and find help or salvation anywhere else because they are completely in the middle of nowhere we still haven't really seen the face of the old man properly every shot he's been in he's been either heavily shadowed or shot from behind or shot from far away that he's out of focus so we still don't really know what he looks like um but he's definitely creepy see what i mean here she just came outside had a cigarette the camera stayed on her and then as she's walked across the house uh it just tracked left fun on her it's just that that camera keeping the keeping the movement flowing it's cool it's cool but this is hilarious because all the time she's walking outside all we can hear in the background is kid cuddy and whatever her name is fucking <laughs> oh that is creepy right so she just sat down by like some sort of fishing lake or something and as she walked out onto this little dock or jetty whatever you call it um the camera watched her walk out and then zoomed right out so it was just her stood you know on the sort of side of a lake showing that she's really on her own and then she just sat down out of frame and then that in the background is the white head of someone who's following her very creepy because we didn't know it was there until she sat down out of frame and saw it move through the trees and we still have that creepy chanty music playing very nice and suspenseful see it moving ah right so here it's doing that thing where it goes from this shot to a different shot like look but it was cutting back and forth it keeps doing it it's cool i knew there'd be a gator i just knew it this is a great shot i'm so still annoyed that this thing keeps coming in can i get rid of that i can <laughs> i learned something today uh so it's just got her sort of swimming in the lake and that's safety so it's important that this is in shot right because a minute ago the camera panned from her it was it wasn't a bird's eye view like it is now it was just a shot of her sort of laying on her back floating and the camera panned around into all these weeds and we saw like an alligator or a crocodile or something just sort of watching her and then cut back to this she was still starfishing staring at the sky uh and now she's making her way back to safety so it's important that this, the safety of the dock is in shot because we know now that off that way is an alligator. So all I'm expecting now, see this is what's great about films when they let your imagination start running wild because all I'm expecting now is from right of screen is to see an alligator following her to uh, you know, eat her or whatever as she's swimming back that way. Um, I have a funny feeling she'll be okay because plot armor, but still suspenseful get your heart going and there it is i was right the alligator's following her that's a fucking enormous alligator as well oh shit i'm just gonna 
pause it here so we can probably talk about it. But look at the size of that fucking thing. And then, oh. The quality of the video has gone a little bit. But, oh, it's enormous. Run, bitch, run. So, so now a minute ago we saw just behind her a forearm. We could see the alligator. So now the the director's deliberately screwing with us because she's blocking it so we don't know how close it's getting and the music is building up in the background kind of like jaws it's dun 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 just wanted to get her self out of the water oh my god it's so close it keeps going back to this style of shot so this is really similar to the opening one where we had the sheriff except it was from up the stairs looking down at the doorway um and now she stood in the doorway and we're looking through the corridor not down the stairs uh, and again, the rest of the house is dark. The only light is coming from outside. And uh, Muggins with a cowboy hat, the Matthew McConaughey wannabe, <laughs> he uh, had a similar shot earlier on when they first arrived at this farm. We keep going back to it, and it's cool because it's making the whole inside of the house a complete mystery to the audience. We don't know really what's in there, who's in there, what's going on in there. It's just all complete mystery because none of it is lit, and we haven't seen it from any angle other than this. Yeah. Whoa, that's a good one. I'll give it a f four or five out of ten. That alligator scene actually has just reminded me of oh, what's that film, Cruel? If you haven't seen Cruel, that's awesome. It's basically a hurricane in Florida or somewhere. Um, floods this little town, massive infestation of alligators and stuff, or crocodiles, whatever. Um, just start killing everybody, um, but it's really bloody good. This um, Mia Goth playing Maxine. Let's see if I can land it on a shot of her face. Oh, that, that was spooky. Okay, so Maxine was just walking around the house looking for the old lady because the old lady gestured for her to sort of follow her inside earlier. And she's just appeared behind her. That was spooky. Uh, but what I was going to say about Mia Goth is she has like this constellation of freckles around her eye. And I don't know if it's her or if the makeup department has done it to her or whatever uh, but it's a really cool unique feature it's very pretty this is interesting okay so you see this shot here where we've got the old woman still pretty much hidden from view you know we still haven't had a good look at her face or anything same as the old man it's all been shot from behind or she's been in shadow or it's been too far away that she's out of focus and we can't make out her features uh, and then Maxine is sat opposite her drinking um, I don't know lemonade or whatever and it literally just cut from the sort of, I'm going to call it the stock footage, but it's the footage that they're making their porno film with. So, you know, it's even more grainy and stuff, you know, uh, it's very distinctly in, in the movie film footage or whatever. I don't know how to explain it better than that. Um, and in that like porno scene, you had the Kid Cudi character and the Marilyn Monroe wannabe sat opposite each other drinking lemonade it's just basically cut to an identical shot of this scene um it's very cool also this is i don't know if it would have been inspired by rob zombie or if rob zombie was very heavily influenced by the films of the 70s and this is also heavily influenced by the films of the 70s um, but i used to be a big rob zombie fan i just feel that the films of his that i'd seen and that i liked haven't lived up as well as they could or as well as they could have sorry or maybe i've just like grown up a a bit and changed and stuff um but i feel like this is 
perfecting the sort of formula that he was going for, if that makes sense. Not to insult the man. He's, you know, pretty successful. So he's obviously doing something right. See, similar shot, them sat at the table drinking lemonade or whatever. And see what I mean about this sort of like stock footage that they're using to show whenever they're filming the the porno. The, the lighting's completely different. It all of a sudden gets orange and a bit warmer looking, but then the quality of the film grain itself reduces and the framing reduces so it's no longer a, a widescreen thing we now have this uh is this 15.4 i can't remember the the measurements of the frames whatever it is if you were born in the 90s you would know anything other than widescreen see there that like constellation of freckles on the side of her face i don't know if that's her face or if that's the makeup department doing it to her but it's cool there's a really great um score happening now it's literally just like a, a a drum beat sort of echoing in the distance like boom 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 and it's sort of been building ever since uh, the old man's just turned back up in his truck and the old lady was being very creepy towards Maxine here um and she said she was like you should go now it'll be our little secret and basically told her to get out of the back door kind of thing and Mia uh, Maxine was like what will be our little secret so she's stealthily trying to evade the old man because I have a feeling he wouldn't be too happy if uh, if she was in his house but it's uh, atmospheric intense that's a great shot her running away from I'm going to call it the terror because it's that spooky house you know she's like sprinting away from it um it kind of reminds me of that scene in Inglorious Bastards. Again, a Tarantino reference. Where um Sosha and I at the at the beginning is running away from Hans Lander after he's like shot everybody. Spoiler alert, but it happens in the opening scene, so get over it. Look at her go. It was an interesting bit of dialogue just then. It was in the um porno scene, but I feel like they keep using elements of the porno scene or like the priest footage that we saw earlier to like foreshadow things so just then she was like talking about you know their their, their porno things called the farmer's daughters or whatever and the kid cutty characters just plowing both of them excuse the farming pun with plowing there um but uh the maxine character was like oh we shouldn't disturb my daddy you won't like him when he's angry and the music and the tone sort of changed from that because the score while they were filming the porn was that kind of like typical sort of thing that you hear when when there's porn especially in the 70s and 80s um and yeah that sort of music faded out and was replaced by something a bit more somber or ominous sounding especially when she said um you won't like my daddy when he's angry and i feel like that was foreshadowing the old man's reaction because earlier the old man went into the kitchen and saw that there was the jug of lemonade out with two glasses the old woman was in the house by herself, so obviously one of these utes has uh, gone into his house and spoken to his wife. Um, so it's sort of foreshadowing that. And then it cuts straight away to images of like creepy-ass China dolls, not very well lit. And on every cut, there was like a ominous note, like a dong, bong, or whatever. Um, it was creepy. It was good. It's upping the suspense again, because we went from the suspense with the lemonade drinking and the old man finding it to a bit of levity 
and it, like a change in actual visual tone like i said it was more orange in hue and a bit brighter whenever they filmed the porn and now we're back to the eerie dark cold tones really great use of sound as well um it was a shot of the old woman combing her hair and they've really upped the sound of the brush combing through her hair and it sounds very dry and brittle and like knotted and that is one of the prominent noises in this uh in this scene you know it's one of the prominent prominent sort of audio tracks and it's creating a very like unnerving thing it's almost like you want her to stop brushing her hair because it's creepy how do they make brushing hair creepy good filmmaking that's how oh shit okay so they're filming the porno scene in the barn right and the old woman's just appeared and she's done her makeup like maxine now you see the blue I said because the old when they were in the house with the lemonade she was talking about oh how her beauty's faded and she's not as pretty as she used to be and you know uh, her husband used to do everything for her because it was the i think she said something like it was the power of beauty or something like that so she's obviously envious of this you know young attractive woman that's just turned up and she's like combed her hair like her she's done her eyeshadow like her and now she's like perving and it looks like she's naked as well which is weird if you listen to my podcast on the witch you'd know that old naked people is a creepy thing ah uh, the old woman just kind of wants to be wanted that's quite sweet she's basically just sort of you know said please um to the husband in terms of like let's have some level of physical intimacy i don't know if that would mean sex because they're both quite old but it looked like she just wanted to be held and have a dance and stuff and he said no because his heart can't take it um so it's, it's almost quite sweet despite all the creepy stuff that's been happening earlier in this film so this character initially she was like not so we're getting some growth from her so initially um she was really put off by the idea of like getting involved in filming a porno she called it smart she was disapproving of it um and she's been holding the boom you know the sound uh thing and in the last shot they were filming in the barn when they were having sex you could see like a smile creeping up on her face and she couldn't take her eyes off the action so it's like she's coming around to the idea of like enjoying it and now she's like just sort of non-stop staring at maxine and uh the cowboy director matthew mcconaughey type guy um i think she's maybe wanting to get involved i don't know i'm just guessing based on what they've given like what sort of growth they've given to her character but she's definitely becoming more accepting of it okay she hasn't asked about getting involved or anything at the moment but she's having an ethical debate with them she's asking how because they're basically the people in the porn and the director are coupled up so we've got max with the cowboy guy kid cuddy with the marilyn monroe one they're coupled up but the kid cuddy guy like i said is he's doing scenes with both of them i think that's what they call it in porn they call it doing a scene <laughs> so weird um yeah so she's asking like ethically how can if you're with this person how can you be okay with them doing a scene with someone else and stuff so yeah it's interesting that they're throwing a bit of ethics in there instead of just you know brushing all that stuff under the carpet it, it's giving the characters depth it's giving the film more than just like here's some tits and some blood you know what i mean so we're getting a little uh, guitar 
sing-along moment now. They're playing Landslide by um, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, and I just wanted to pause on it because as soon as he started playing, it's I'm pretty sure it's he's not playing it live and they're recording it. They're like dubbing the track over or whatever. Uh, but the tone on the guitar is really nice. I play guitar myself, so it's like, oh, I play guitar. <laughs> no, uh, it's just, I can appreciate a good guitar tone. It's a really nice sounding guitar tone. Um, and then she's, the Marilyn Monroe one is singing along to it. It's just a nice little, uh, it's probably a calm before the storm type moment. Called it. She's just asked if she can do a scene in the movie. Called it. Knew it was coming. That's, all right, so they're having a debate right now about, um, the what's uh the actress's name I think was Jenna Ortega I can't remember the character name but the young sound operator has just asked if she could be in the movie uh the director scriptwriter guy is her partner is not happy about it so they're outside having a conversation about it but that's by the by he's I just like how this is lit so they got the cold sort of outside blue sort of blue and white tones that you get from like moonlight and things. Uh, lighting most of the scene and then at where he sort of stood in front of the window of the uh, the room where everyone else is is sat you know having beers and stuff you get this nice orange hue so it's just a nice just a nicely lit scene just wanted to comment on that that the you know the cinematographers and the gaffers and everybody involved in in lighting rigs and stuff is um, just doing their job well because the the picture looks very nice okay so they're building up to the um the involvement of the sound boom girl, um, Lorraine, that's the character name, um, getting involved in the scene. Uh, and there was just a, sim the whole time she's had a, a crucifix necklace on, and there was just a symbolic removing of that, um, which is you know, just a interesting character thing that they're picking up on and, and adding in, you know, so now everybody's asleep and we're getting these, um, creepy shots where the camera's either like tracking up to someone's bed or, just holding on them while they sleep. Eerie music in the background. He's crying in the shower because his girlfriend just got involved in a porno. But all those shots of the people sleeping and the camera sort of tracking towards them or something, it just suggests that someone's watching them or something like that. That's a great shot. So this is, again, the director guy crying in the shower because his um, partner got involved in a porno and he didn't want them to. But, you know, she can do what she wants. It's her life. But I like that there's just darkness either side. We've got the moonlight coming in through the window, the white of the bath and then the white of the shower curtain sort of reflecting the uh, the moonlight. That's the only other source of light. But because the, I don't know, when it's bird's eye view like that, it kind of um, makes them quite vulnerable looking. And then, you know, films like Psycho with the shower uh, killing scene and stuff, just you you kind of have that like unconscious thing in pretty much all cinema now because of the impact of films like Psycho that like the shower is a very vulnerable place to be. You know, you're naked in there, it's slippery. Um, yeah, and then with all this eerie music and suspense and things building up, uh, he might be in trouble. There's been lots of, um, of shots of people lurking either, you know, in window frames or, you know, outside of buildings, windows looking in. Uh, and the fact that he's his face is sort of blocking the it's similar to the alligator shot I mentioned earlier his face is blocking the window so my imagination is going like there's going to be someone behind the window you know watching him or going to kill him or whatever so I like films like this where the because of the sort of drip feeding of other things in 
it then gets your imagination running because you're you're getting used to the sort of formula of the film you know so because of the formula of the film there's normally someone watching someone through a window now i'm like shit he's gonna be being watched through a window just quickly actually on this shot again because we're back to it uh i don't know how they set it up but i know just from experience of like making short films and stuff that what it likely is is there would be some sort of rig or whatever holding the camera up there um looking down and there's probably some sort of led uh, like white light outside the window looking in and there may even be another one uh sort of lit dimly behind the shower curtain to get that nice white um sort of hue in the middle of it there um and that could be pretty much it like i guarantee you there's a, a white light outside the window at the very least they're not relying just on the moonlight itself uh, but that's kind of like what you would need really for that shot um i imagine i don't know i might be completely wrong but that's how i would have done it and the fact that on the shots of him and like from his face and from above we're never actually seeing clearly out the window is interesting that was freaking terrifying let's rewind shall we so he gets in the van to bail and starts driving off and then the camera's going to cut to like um his view you know like sort of through the windscreen and the dashboard so his view we see this is you know that's the thing hanging down from the wing mirror like the, i don't know whatever he was seeing him drive around from the house bang creepy old woman right in front of the van and the audio went Doo! like as it you know as it cut to that very creepy gave me goosebumps look at it oh okay she started to hug him and start caressing him um and it's very creepy is this her want for physical intimacy that she isn't getting from her husband but we also haven't seen what's in her left hand i'm worried she has a knife or something it ain't a condom i'll tell you that oh she's trying to kiss him he's not having any of it yep it was a knife she just stabbed him up through the chin with a knife because he refused her advances she wants physical intimacy that much she can't let go of her youth and her past and how pretty she used to be and probably how many like guys were swooning over her and stuff and she can't accept that she's older now so when she gets refused she stabs the director mr poindexter in the chin at least we're getting to the murders now we're an hour in that is a brilliant shot so he's just collapsed there on the floor in front of the van the whole time don't fear the reaper is playing you know da, 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 da. um the headlights she looks all ominous we've got the mixture again of the blues and the orange tones a haunted house looking thing in the background that's the framing of that is just exemplary and she's moving towards him all stalkery like all so she <laughs> She's pulled the knife out of his neck and then just continued to stab repeatedly back into his neck. And it's been spraying blood everywhere and blood has been sprayed across the headlights of the van. So now instead of shining orange, they're shining red. So we're getting this real dark, you know, blood red kind of hue to everything. Um, and it's been not, this isn't the only shot that they've done. Um, there was one behind her. She sort of sat on top of him, stabbing him. 
so she was silhouetted but with red and it's very although it's gory as fook it's um really like it's really good cinematography and lighting and use of color despite the fact it's gory and disturbing shots like that you see that's what i meant which almost certainly to create that shot they're not relying on only the headlamps of the car the headlights headlamps whatever you want to call it there's definitely other lighting rigs you know with um red gels or something on them to to light up the rest of the scene with that red hue but you know the audience doesn't need to know that or see that so you can tell that there'd be another lighting rig because she's lit from behind as well when the only source of light on screen is the headlamps so there's definitely a red lighting rig behind her oh and now she's dancing that was cool so after she stood up having slayed this guy she started to sort of softly dance and she spoke earlier about how she used to dance in her youth and the the music changed from don't fear the reaper to something else that suited her uh dancing style um and now she's like stop dancing gone back to normal and don't fear the reapers faded back in so she had like this odd moment of serenity so this is a great shot because um general ortega's character what was her name lorraine she's just woken up in bed realized that um her partner rj the director fella isn't there uh, then starts walking through the barn or house guest house whatever it is looking for him um, a lot of just still shots of her walking, not a lot of ambient noise, you know, crickets, not a very, very soft score. Um, so they're not overdoing, sorry, they're not overdoing the sound and the ambience. So it creates that sense of like, um, you have something sort of spooky and eerie when things are too quiet. So that's, I think that's kind of what they're going for here. Um, uh, and then she's just stood in the doorway. The door was open again, odd. And they've done a, a pan around of the rest of the farm yard. So like that, the main house building over there and then the barn on the left uh, from her perspective. And now the camera's jumped behind her and is slowly moving in, like zooming in or, or uh, tracking forward towards her, which just makes me think that there's someone behind her. Chances are it will be one of her friends and they'd be like, what are you doing up out of bed? Uh, or, you know, it could be a killer we we will find out but that that moving in of her uh sorry moving in on her from behind yeah definitely definitely creates the the idea that there's someone approaching her and she doesn't know they're there i just had some major technical difficulties with my microphone it was just i don't know what was happening but it was like everything just went way up so it was breaching you couldn't hear well you could hear stuff it was just like white noise on steroids um but basically, I was just talking about the the sequence with Martin Henderson just then. So, spoiler alert, he got got. But it was really, um, really, uh, really good sequence. I can't remember what I said about it, but it was really good, really suspenseful. Uh, he was, you know, he was there in his little tidy whiteies. Other than that, he was completely nude. Uh, so that gave him a sort of vulnerable sense uh he stood on a nail which caused him to limp uh there wasn't a lot of light around him no uh no friends around him to help him out um some real interesting camera angles where you couldn't quite make out either what he was looking at or what you know 
just things like that hidden hidden from the audience view which then you know makes the the audience imagination run wild as to like creating their own sort of sense of peril or, or danger for him it was a good sequence good sequence it's a shame everything i said about it was like <laughs> instead <laughs> see no she's she's hanging out with the farmer they're gonna go look for um the farmer's wife and the uh, her boyfriend the director guy um and he's just asked her to go down to the cellar to get a flashlight and this is the first suggestion of the cellar we've had since the opening sequence with the sheriff exactly the same shot looking up from the cellar staircase towards her so we already have this sense of dread and peril about the cellar because of that opening sequence so straight away now when we get to this shot we're like oh god she's screwed there's no way excuse the pun about being screwed because they're making a porn but yeah we're just straight away we're like oh god damn it don't go down there we know there's something bad down there we don't know what it is but we know it's bad that was a really good cut uh as uh whatever her name is lorraine went to click on a, a pulley light switch before she went down to the cellar um instead of hearing the click noise instead we got a big jump scare of the audio of like a, bar, a big you know cacophonous noise and the noise of stabbing as we cut straight back to um, Martin, whatever his name is, being stabbed in the eye and dying. Good use of audio and cutting. Another interesting framing shot. As well. Another interestingly framed shot as well, is what I should say. Uh, you know, these symmetry of the two windows the big bundles in the middle his dead body down there her all covered in blood walking over to him with the pitchfork that she's just killed him with um yeah just interesting it's so creepy because she's so i guess it's like the the unexpected one is the killer you know this slow moving frail relatively innocent looking old lady as actually a real creepy sociopathic serial killer something that this film is doing ex so so well um, is the the use of score to provide atmosphere, tension, uh, and, you know, jump scares, or whatever it might be. Um, it's going from moments of an eerie quietness with, you know, no atmospheric sound, maybe just a few crickets, maybe a really subtle score, sometimes complete silence, you know, nothing but footsteps or whatever diegetic noise the characters are making themselves, you know, opening the fridge like you just did there. Um, or then sometimes it's using sound on a real big scape, you know, a big explosive noise, not explosive as in a literal explosion, just a big sort of shocking noise, which could be like discord, you know, or like some sort of string things. Just, do you know what I mean? That kind of like off note, off key, harsh sounding stuff to sort of like scare you like, <laughs> it's such, so hard to verbalize those noises, but I hope you get what I mean. Um, either that or, you know, it will have a real, um, like a more sort of prominent score to it, you know. And then it's using obscure angles like this. So n now all we're seeing is him and like the ceiling above him. So we don't know if there's someone in the room with him. It could be someone approaching, creeping up behind him. Uh, we don't know. As, or, or there'll be other shots where it's such a wide shot that the person's just on their own in the middle and it 
with the costume and things um where they're all sort of you know meant to be sleeping and things right now everyone's either in pajamas pants or naked which they don't look very action ready it creates a sense of vulnerability about them so when they're in the middle of this big wide shot it looks like they're alone because there's it's such a wide shot that there's nothing else around them so it just creates that sense of like i say vulnerability and things like that it's it's combining and the lighting as well you know hiding other things in shrouds of darkness or ominous red hues these type of thing it's really using its lighting and its cinematography and its soundscape to absolutely ramp up the tension and and the horror like this is a very creepy film it's very good i'm definitely going to watch it a second time unless the ending's shite <laughs> I I don't know I don't know why they've done this because it's completely distracted me from the horror and the tension and instead is making me laugh but if your eyes haven't already been drawn to it between his fucking legs <laughs> oh I just swallowed my own hair they joked or they did they referenced earlier in the film because they're making a porno that he's packing some heat you know he's he's digging tunnels with that thing he's got a he's got a third leg down there uh and now just randomly while he's asking the old geezer if he needs help finding his wife we could just see this fucking silhouetted shadow of a massive hog he's got between his legs and i don't know why they've done that because it's just it's replaced any sense of suspense and terror with making me laugh <laughs> Or maybe the old guy's going to go, I'm so jealous of the size of your pecker, and then shoot him with his shotgun or something. I don't know. <laughs> Look at that thing. It's got a mind of its own. <laughs> I have noticed that, well, actually, Dexter didn't. I call him Dexter, the director guy. Um, he wasn't wearing white, but the executive producer, you know, the cowboy... Uh, wannabe Woody Harrelson type, he, Matthew McConaughey he was wearing white underwear when he got killed. So white is normally associated with like purity and innocence, um, just in terms of costume and stuff. And then, you know, the villains will normally wear black, that kind of thing. And Kid Cudi's just put on white shorts and a t-shirt to go help the old man look for his missus. Oh wait, but the old woman is, is wearing white as well. Okay, so maybe they're not leaning too hard into the costume department in terms of representing innocence and, and evil. <coughs> that That's a cool shot, though. So we just had the camera sort of lurking. So Kid Cudi was down the end. You see that, that door down the end? He was down there. The camera was just hidden slightly around the corner watching him leave. And now that he's gone, the camera's moved and is doing a shaky cam. So if you've heard me speak about shaky cams before, normally there'll be a cinematographer or cameraman like holding the cameras. And as they move, we get the shakiness. That's a way that filmmakers will tell the audience that what we're seeing is the perspective of a person as opposed to like a held shot that isn't representative of someone's view. So now we have this creepily moving down the hallway and we know that um, the Marilyn Monroe girlfriend type is asleep in that room. So we get this sense that the killer is making its way towards her. Oh, well, now they've thrown a curveball and instead of going all the way down to um, the Marilyn Monroe bedroom... They've instead gone to the bedroom where um, threw us a curveball there. Because we know now that 
well, we've known for a while that there's an alligator. We've been reminded of the alligator because the old geezer said he's only carrying his shotgun with him while he looks for his wife because of the alligators. We know that they've established a minute ago that those two are around by the pond. So now I'm just dreading that Kid Cuddy's going to get got by an alligator because it's unlikely he's going to get got by the old woman because she's in the house where they're all sleeping and she's like caressing and spooning Maxine while she sleeps and it's very creepy and it's very disturbing. But they're still building an atmosphere of suspense and tension and horror so I can only assume uh, unless the old man's going to start killing people which doesn't seem likely because although he was sort of built up earlier on in the film to be the potentially uh, violent one or evil one it seems to be his wife now so it's unlikely the old man's going to join in because he probably would have started it already so it's likely he's about to get got by a gator damn damn painful way to go I imagine okay so we've just gone back to um, poor old Lorraine being locked in the basement um, actually, when when she went down there, you know, I said I was just saying a minute ago about um, the use of camera to sort of uh, suggest that there might be someone stood behind someone and things like that. Um, they when she first went down into the basement, they were using a lot of those kind of shots, especially you know with the use of lighting because it's a dark basement and she only has a flashlight, that kind of thing, to suggest that there might have been someone behind her or someone lurking in the shadows of the basement, things like that, and it. It was all false. You know, she turned around and I was like, there's going to be a shock. And there was nothing there. Uh, and then when she went back up the stairs of the basement, she was realized that she was then, sorry, she then realized that she was locked in. Uh, and then, you know, the terror starts. Um, so that was that was cool because it set you up with a false sense of hope <laughs> that she was going to be okay. And she wasn't. Well, she's still alive. So now we've cut back to her in the basement. And um, she's trying to, you know, get out through this hatch door thing it's all locked so then she's gone over to the workbench and started looking for weapons picked up a couple of hammers uh, and then decided to pick up an axe and i do believe it is the same axe we saw in the opening shot where the sheriff was there with all those dead bodies and the axe was covered in blood so we're getting that sense of um like impending doom approaching because of the use of that prop yeah i was wrong old man shot kick cutty with a shotgun, because he was jealous that he was enticing his wife. I thought he was going to get got by a gator. Get got by a gator. God, I'm feeling a tremendous sense of dread watching this film. Which means they're doing their job right. Oh, she's going to get got by the gator. Someone's going to get gated. They wouldn't put a gator in this film if no one was going to get got. Oh, this... Dude, the sense of dread and horror and suspense that this film is creating it's not an easy watch but i'm enjoying it i may not look like i am but that's the thing with horror movies like the thing with any movie whatever the genre is i want to go along for the ride if i'm watching a horror movie and I'm, i may have said this already but if i'm watching a horror movie and i'm not afraid then it's a bad horror movie if i'm watching a comedy and i'm not laughing it's a bad comedy you know and this film is unnerving the bejesus out of me so it's doing its job well <sighs> dude dude yep she got gators and it was horrific to watch so yeah i'm not sleeping tonight that was good shot just then good use of shot and sound so 
uh, what's her face, Maxine, was looking for a friend. She looks out the window. She sees the old man and the old woman come in, shotgun in hand, covered in blood. Ominous. So she was in, so you can see there, that's the old man's head just coming into frame there. Uh, so she, Maxine, was there. She's ran. The camera didn't cut away, stayed as it was, and then we slowly heard the footsteps and the shuffling of the old people coming in, and now they're walking into frame. So it's great because we get that because of the footsteps and stuff and them gradually appearing in frame we get that sense of like uh-oh the danger's approaching and all it is is a held shot brilliant it's just so disturbing so goddamn creepy i might throw up i actually might throw up <laughs> This film is so hard to watch. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, the old couple are going at it, and that was going to make me throw up, and now poor old Maxine's hiding under the bed. And she, oh, she's got to listen to the old couple going at it. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. This film may have ruined sex for me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, paused at a bit of a bad moment, but you can faintly see in the doorway. So the shot for those listening only is um, just round the corner. from. So this, the camera's half looking down the corridor and then half, you know, in the sort of corner of a room where uh, Maxine, the only survivor now, is back to the wall hiding from them. And then down the corridor we can see the old couple and they're lit by that... Um, ominous red hue of the truck lights where um, the first guy to die died. So the fact that they are, again, lit red just reminds us that they're the evil ones. Just look at that shot. Look at that framing. Half the screen is the preacher. Half the screen is the carnage and the dead bodies. And he's just said something along the lines of, now that's what I call divine intervention. Fitting. I'm so... I, I can't even speak about this film anymore. I'm so disturbed. Like, I'm enjoying the fuck out of it, don't get me wrong, but I really want it to end because I really want to go throw up now. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ! Ah, just when you think it's done and everyone's going to go home. Oh, spoiler alert. As Maxine was getting away and the old woman was laying on the floor outside, she backed the van over her head and it popped like a watermelon. And I, I normally, a lot of the time, I'm pretty desensitized to violence, but this film, it, it just the the building of the atmosphere and everything, and then the execution of it. Uh, I'm gonna cry. Arguably, though, at this point, as she's driving away, she doesn't know that Kid Cuddy's been shot and she doesn't know that Blondie's been eaten by an alligator and she's not trying to look for them to help them. Bad friend. That's a great shot. That might be the final shot of the movie, but that's a great shot. The sun faintly rising over the hilltop there. Uh, for those listening, lower half of the screen is just the ground, tree lines. Top half of the screen is skyline, dark clouds, left-hand side of the screen, sun is rising over the top. I don't know if that's creating like a sense of hope, the dawning of a new day, whatever it is, but it just looks fucking cool. And I'm ready to go throw up and cry and, and just 
I need a minute. <sighs> Ty West is a twisted dude. Excellent filmmaker. Twisted dude. That film was amazing. That film... I I have no more words. It was fucking... I'm definitely going to watch it again, but not anytime soon. Um, Don't watch it. If you have, you've listened to this podcast, you've probably already seen it. But if you've listened to this podcast and you haven't seen it, if you've got a weak stomach, you don't like horror, you don't like suspense, you don't like tension, this ain't the film for you. I love horror, suspense, tension. I'm pretty desensitized to a lot of violence. But that made me want to throw up. That was horrible. That was That was a rough film to watch. It's good. Good shit. Happy Halloween, everybody. Fuck me dead.